Welcome to another episode of the Advice You Didn't Take podcast with your girl, Remy Ray. Thank you so much for all the support that's been pouring in from you guys just listening and loving the podcast. Don't forget you can catch me on iTunes, Buzzsprout and SoundCloud at the Advice You Didn't Take podcast. Also, don't forget on iTunes specifically to leave a good review so that we can continue to grow up the ranks. You can find me at imremyray.co.uk for my website and at Instagram and Twitter at I am Remy Ray. Let's get into the episode. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Advice You Didn't Take with your girl Remy Ray. And I have a super special guest with me today. Um, someone who is now an integral part of my life and um, someone I really admire and look up to. Can you introduce yourself for me, please? <laughs> sure. Hey guys, my name is Paula, Paula Louis Fernand. Um, I'm an introspective therapist and self-care coach. Um, and I currently just have a private practice in that field. Was so, yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Was um, having your own practice, like, always at the forefront of what you were doing? No, it really, really wasn't. Um, I actually kind of fell into private practice. I think perhaps, like, more long-term, I probably felt like, yeah, I'd really like to sort of start my own practice. But initially, it was really just something that I fell into. Um I graduated in 2014, so I'm still like quite a newbie in the, in the private practice field. Uh-huh. And um, pretty much straight after uni, you know, like you hear how it's so difficult to get a job, and you know, sometimes you can kind of be looking for ages. Yeah. And so, um, in all honesty, I ended up signing on because I'm a single parent. I ended up sort of signing on after uni, yeah. and um, I still felt the momentum of like I really want to learn. I want to just study more while I'm kind of in that groove. Let me just kind of keep it going. Yeah. And obviously I knew that signing on was not, not my goal, of course. And um, I kind of like just felt like the advisors in the job centre, um, oh, it was just like, just literally come to sign. They weren't trying to kind of push you or kind of ask like, you know, what are your goals or where, where do you kind of see yourself or, you know, what do you really want to be doing? And one day I was, um, I went in to sign on and I saw like a kind of leaflet with a, a business it was about a business startup course and um I inquired about that um to cut a long story short I basically inquired about that and ended up kind of enrolling on the course and it was the best thing that I'd ever done wow. and pretty much we started like business planning and you know thinking up names for our business yeah. like learning about the in, ins and outs of um business startup nice. and it was like, wow, okay, we're really going away and putting this business plan together. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, for the next session, the next class, come in and, and kind of say, like, what your business name is going to be. Just think of, like, business names that kind of catch your eye and really resonate. And um, I remember going to bed, and I must have probably been in bed for about a half hour or so, and I kind of literally, my head got off the pillow, and I was like, introspective therapy. <laughs> I, no, in fact, it was introspective coaching at yeah. first. And down the line, I changed it to introspective therapy. But the word introspective yeah. and introspection at that time was really, really close to my heart. Yeah. And um, that's basically how I fell into it. So it was literally signing on, going to uh, a business startup course, yeah. and really just getting into it that way. Next thing you know, I was registering my company name with Company's House and had business plan. And that's how it really started. I love the fact that, um, because that also happened to me when I left uni, I couldn't find a, a, like a job. Everybody only wanted to have interns, especially Mm -hmm. in 2010 when like the economical downturn happened. Nobody was essentially hiring people for any long-term period. And I know that feeling of going to the job centre and sitting with that person, the person just makes you feel stupid, like... Oh my god, I cannot believe I just went all the way to uni to end up here. Exactly. So I'm so glad that you found that leaflet. I bet it was just in a corner somewhere. <laughs> Not even like with a prominence of any kind. And like, thank god you stumbled across it. I wanted to ask yeah. you what does introspective actually mean and what does it mean to you? Right, so introspective, um, well, let's look at the word like introspection. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, looking at the dictionary or something, introspection is a little bit more of a kind of broader definition, yeah. um, I think. So introspection is basically um, the examination or observation yeah. of our mental and emotional process, nice. right? So just basically becoming aware of um, what's going on in our minds, how we think, how we talk to ourselves, how we're feeling, yeah. and just to kind of be more conscious and aware of that. Yeah. Um, 
But introspective and uh, what introspective therapy for me it's really just about inner connection. Yeah. And it's really just about again just paying attention to what's going on inside of us. Nice. You know, what's happening in our heart, what's happening in our minds. And um it's just yeah, just from my personal journey, um, it really just led me to that place of do you know what? It's all about self it really is all about it really starts with us yeah absolutely I feel like I'm on a personal journey with self at the moment as well and like just opening me up so that I can put back in the pieces properly this time like I felt like I was a jigsaw prior to that with just loads of different angles but not really any sort of uh correlation if that makes sense now I feel like I'm repacking my my suitcase if you want in order and um, I feel like it's really really important to understand self but not only that just really get to the bottom of where the roots of the issues lie you know and I feel like a lot of people just um you know like concealer we just um conceal over the cracks and then try to keep going and then they show up later on in life absolutely Yeah. yeah So um, I think therapy is super important, as you know, um, and I'm starting my first therapy session on the first, um, on the first, or maybe it's the third, next weekend anyway, okay. and I'm really right. excited, right. as you know, um, mm-hmm. that's how we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. just wanted to touch on black women in therapy. Right. Can you talk to me a little bit about where are we at with that? Because it's been a taboo for forever. When I right. tell people that I'm going to find a therapist or going to start going to therapy, they look at me a bit strangely sometimes, like, why are you so open about this? Like, But I yeah. feel like it's like booking a hair appointment, if you want. It's an important part of the process, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. So, so black women, women in therapy... Um, I can really start with just like the way that I was raised. Yeah. So, um, you know, being a black woman myself, you know, being raised in a, by a black woman in a black household. Yeah. Um, what I really found is that communication was pretty much, and I'm talking about real communication. Yeah, we spoke about The real deeper issues of what's really going on was pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what I found is that, you know, like, for, for example, I grew up in a household where dads were just not around. You know, there's, yeah. there's four of us and none of our dads were around. Um, I have a different dad to my sister and my two brothers. Um, and for me personally, to this day, I never got a chance to meet my dad. Um, and he passed away when I was 18. So for me, it was just like, okay, I grew up and there was, you know, you go to school, you'd maybe see other children with their dads and you'd know that dads exist, but they just never existed at home. Yeah. And that was like my first real kind of, hmm, there's something that was just different here. I knew it was different. Yeah. And as I continued to grow, um, I just started to see other areas where there was just obviously fundamental things happening beneath yeah. the surface of like our everyday sort of family life. Yeah. But nobody would talk about it or, or my mum would not talk about it. And um, I grew up a really kind of sensitive child I was very sensitive I was very sensitive to energies and I was quite spiritually connected but didn't really realize that fully until I I got a lot older and um, I think for me it's just that whole thing around um, black women just having to just be strong and just carry on and um, yeah just sort of raising the family and doing this but nobody sort of what 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 was my mum really feeling? Where where were our dads? What what was her experiences? Yeah. I actually don't know. Wow. And so to a degree, there's a huge part of my mum and her life that I just know. don't know. Yeah. And um, I think that I can't really speak for my sister and my two brothers, but for myself, that really affected me yeah. um, growing up. Because for example, I remember um, flipping through. Like, I loved to look at photos. Even to this day, I love to look through yeah. through old photos. Yeah. And I was doing that with my mum, and I saw a picture which intuitively I knew was my dad. I just yeah. knew. I don't know how, I just kind of knew. Yeah. And I remember saying to her, um, you know, who's that? And she was like, oh, it's just a friend, a family friend, and she kept flicking wow. through, you know. And so things like that, like not sort of talking to me about my dad yeah. or why he didn't see it, or just having. Sorry? That is like crazy, like. Yeah. As I listen to you as well, it just reminds me of the relationship that I didn't have with my dad and me and my partner were speaking about this um just like a day or so ago and it's just like just to listen to the fact that you 
you knew instantly that that was your daddy. Your mum was just yeah. not willing to give up the juice, man. Yeah, she's still, she's still that way to today. She doesn't really give up the juice. I've tried to, like, you know, speak with her and reach yeah. out. She's very quite defensive about it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that generation, the older generation, are built on defence. Yeah. Like, that is their their barrier they do not play when it comes to putting up that defense defense mechanism and nobody can get through like nobody you're right yeah absolutely yeah so so that's pretty much how it was and um as I got older I just felt like I didn't have that sort of um that space that safe space to to express and to get clear and to talk through the way I was feeling there was that space and um yeah, my mum was quiet because she was so defensive um, and she was a lot less emotional and sensitive than I was. So it's yeah. almost like if I came to her to talk to her about something sensitive, she didn't have the tools to yeah. um, to be with me yeah. where I were, where I was at the time. You yeah. know, she wasn't able to kind of sit with me and meet me where I was. Yes. And um, I, yeah, just kind of, and maybe that's where I kind of gravitated to therapy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically with black women in therapy, I think now with the whole self-care thing and self-love and I think it's becoming more a thing where therapy is a little bit more, I don't want to use the word trendy, but you know what I mean? It's a little bit more yeah. common, yeah. slightly. Um, and slightly. I think <laughs> after a generation of women, we kind of are starting to recognise that our mental well-being is, yeah. is paramount. Yeah. Our, our inner happiness is paramount. And I think it's just through conversations like this as well that people become more aware yeah. of actually the importance of being mentally well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just wanted to touch on um, the fact also that actually there's so many therapists, um, black therapists, um, people that are studying, are doing a lot of studies around the mind, and it just blows my mind that a whole culture... <laughs> isn't really that interested in it like we have a decent percentage that are but majority of black people are just not interested in the whole therapy aspect mainly because of our upbringing we're told not to talk about our business outside of the household you know don't don't go and chat my my business to anybody and keep everything to yourself and if you get a job and you know about wages and things like that don't bother tell anybody it's just constantly like keep secret keep secrets keep secrets and i feel like that's one of the biggest problems within our our culture as a whole like we don't Mm -hmm. share knowledge absolutely yeah Yeah. there's so much there's still so much i could learn from my mom and her experience if she was willing to sit and just talk with me and share and the power of sharing as well that could even bring two people closer together it gives us a better depth and understanding of our family and our history the way we were raised and maybe we carry certain behaviors and patterns where it may stem from why we may be this way you know we can kind of understand because my dad my real dad, I learned later on that he suffered from mental health. Wow. And so when I went through a period of depression in my life, I really felt like, wow, I just don't even feel well in yeah. the mind, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, maybe that's where, it came from, to a degree, yeah. it could stem from, yeah. you know? And my brother suffers with mental health as well. Wow. So it's really important to just have these conversations, you know, with our children as well. Yeah. To, to really don't kind of change the narrative and just make sure that you're communicating with them effectively, you know, Absolutely. so that they can have an understanding Absolutely. of where we, our journeys really. Absolutely. I was going to say that, um, I am happy that, you know, well-being and things like this are trending at the moment. I just hope that when the rest of the world falls off the bandwagon, that we don't stop. We don't stop pouring into ourselves and learning about ourselves, and especially about our our backstories. You know what I mean? Because I remember my grand. My grand was very hardcore. Right. My grand showed love and affection by cussing you out. Like <laughs> my nan was proper old school Jamaican and she would cuss that was my nan's love and affection in every capacity it was just rawness from the top to the morning until time to switch off the lights and go to bed my nan was just always on fire and then I realized my mum also has that kind of um energy about her when we were growing up she was just very like rigid (laughs) she wouldn't kiss us she wouldn't hug us she wouldn't do those things but but I did get it in some capacity I got it from my godmother because my godmother was like 
major in my life. My godmother was somebody who would hug me, kiss me, mm-hmm. and like just told me that she loves me. Even t- this morning before we we jumped on um to record, my godmother mm-hmm. texted me to tell me she loves me. My mum oh. would never, ever, 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 ever do that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me also, because I'm very, very sensitive. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm my mum's like fawn in her chest because like all my other brothers and sisters don't really have heightened sensitivity like I do. Right. So I feel yeah. like it was kind of on purpose that I ended up being such a sensitive person <laughs> because my family always teased me about being sensitive. But I guess it's all the elements my mum wasn't that I became, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And that's beautiful. It's still... Yeah, it's yeah, I don't... Yeah. I think people that don't understand sensitive people probably never really will but mm. i don't know be, i think being sensitive is also a part of my um fiber in terms of my creativity because i'm able to tap into a different side of emotion and Absolutely. see something from a different perspective Absolutely. so yeah i used to be quite hard on myself about always being very sensitive and even sometimes still now it kind mm-hmm. of like drives me a bit mad and my mm-hmm. partner sometimes but you know, it's just it's just my fibre. I can't I can't run from it. Yeah, yeah. It's you embrace it. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm pretty much I'm similar, so that resonates with me. I was going to yeah. say, um, um, surrounding the mental health aspect, um, it is trending at the moment. Everybody seems to be talking about mental health, and um, it's it's just really cool to talk about at the moment and everybody's got a charity or something that's relating surrounding mental health but i just wanted to find out what do you think some of the key things that people could do to kind of sustain quote unquote normal but like mm-hmm. a, like a stable kind of mindset if they are feeling like you know they're having a bit of a wobbly as one of my friends yeah. likes to call it <laughs> Yeah, sure. I think meditation uh, is key. Um, myself and I know many people um, have engaged in meditative practices, and that is really, really key. I know for myself, I'm a, I meditate, but I don't always sit down uh, like on a mat and like yeah. you know meditate in a pose. I don't always do that, but <laughs> it's really just about finding. You can meditate anywhere, you know, but it's about finding that that stillness, that quiet space yeah. Yeah. to just basically. So, you know, whether you're on the train, you know, you're walking to the station, you're in a car, you know, whatever you're making dinner, whatever you're doing, just sort of tap into that kind of, there's a quiet space inside of all of us. Yeah. And it's just about to, to, to rest in that place yeah. and not to be so attached and fixated on the minds. Because if you think about how many thoughts we think a day, you yeah. know, or <laughs> even in a minute, our minds are constant. Yeah. So it's really just about not fixating or attaching to the thoughts, yeah. but just to observe it. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, part of like the introspection. It's like the examination and observation, but in this case, observation of the thoughts that are going on. So that's how, that's for me how I would say we can kind of learn to keep our minds well and healthy is by not attaching to the thoughts that are going on. Yeah. Because sometimes if it's a thought that doesn't really serve us, or, you know, it's quite negative or unhelpful, the mind tends to fixate. So it will just keep gravitating yeah, to that. that <laughs> so it's just basically resting in that kind of still space. So through meditation practices, that can really help to kind of calm the mind. Um, and at first, your mind won't be calm. It will probably, you know, be even more in overdrive. Mm-hmm. But it's just to observe it. Don't run away with a thought and start to allow it to grow. Just watch it and it will just pass. I always like to say it's like our thoughts can be like clouds in the sky. Yeah. So, you know, when you see a cloud passing, you don't think, oh, God, I want to attack, you know, mm-hmm. hang on to that. And then yeah. you start analysing that cloud. Yeah. You just look in the sky and the clouds are just flowing. They're just passing. Absolutely. So through meditation, you can just allow your thoughts to just pass I by. And I pass. like clouds in the sky because we don't, I think we, sometimes we give thoughts too much energy and sometimes it's just a passing yeah. thought you know I was gonna say um just now before it slips my mind ugh, it went um, and mm-hmm. it will come back to me um mm-hmm. I was gonna say about uh therapy becoming now really really important as as society changes you know like mm-hmm. now everything is so fast-paced we want the instant gratification um 
you know, we're yeah. vulnerable in the sense if people don't like our pages or we don't get enough following. And how mm-hmm. did social media become so important to us? And why are we so dependent on it? Right. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, why are we so dependent on it? Mm. I'm not sure why we, I, I don't know why we're probably so dependent on it, but I do, I definitely know that once we, again, are attaching ourselves to that kind of way of life, it's like, it's almost like it becomes real. It isn't real. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 social media. It's posting. It's, it's allowing us to kind of put maybe our businesses or our, our hobbies and et cetera out there. But it isn't, is it real? And I think social media has a tendency to just really consume us. It's the competitiveness as well. Absolutely. It's kind of, you know, seeing what other people are doing and thinking that, oh, that lifestyle is so different to to mine you know but again it it just isn't real I think um and I think it's important to just kind of again pay attention to things that we're kind of like habits you know something's consuming us in a kind of very unhelpful way if we don't feel like it's serving us and then just to kind of move away from it and I feel that you know social media can really be that we can just kind of allow it to consume us and just for, for all the wrong reasons as well, yeah. but just to kind of really pay more attention to our actual lives, yeah. you know, our real lives, not our social media lives, yeah. and so to speak. But why people kind of attach them? I think it's probably just competitiveness and com- just comparison. Yeah, comparing. A lot of comparing yeah. happens, and a lot of people start mm-hmm. to compare to the, compare themselves to things that are not even in any capacity real. And I find I find it quite fascinating actually that we're so hell bent on being perfect that we're willing to you know compare ourselves to a photoshopped image right like how deep is that that something yeah. that's actually been manipulated you're now comparing your real regular self to, self to yeah and you've now created this um photoshopped image say for instance as the latter where do they do that <laughs> You know, you've made this thing become so prominent in your life that if you do not look, or you are not like, or you don't have, yeah, that now that 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 leaves you feeling um, deflated and you know guilty for not not you know achieving and things like that. It's just got so many elements to it. I was watching on the news actually, and there was um, a story about a lady who got so addicted to um, social media that you know she was getting herself into debt. by trying to keep up and like if she didn't get a certain amount of likes and she didn't get a certain amount of followers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like she became like an analyst of herself and other people because she just wanted to be a part of the in crowd right so that's just like a prime example of you know somebody kind of um low self-esteem yeah low self-esteem and allowing that kind of space that all their energy is going into that space that isn't real as opposed to what's really going on in your actual life yeah do you know what i mean so maybe there's a slight lack of that inner connection that you know sort of inner love and you just connection with self because we're missing something here. We're missing ourselves. Yeah. We're missing what we need in our lives. This is what's important, not what's necessarily shared on social media. It's what's happening in our actual physical real lives. Yeah. That life isn't, it's not real. It's, um, yeah. it's also a bit um, interesting, the fact that it's us mainly as adults that are being sucked in. Like we're, we're almost in a time warp and none of us can seem to get out of it. We, mm. we, we shut Instagram down just to open it back up maybe 10 to 15 minutes later again. Right, we're right, on right. someone's page, we end up on their uncle's page, on their auntie's page, on their dog's <laughs> page because we're just so intrigued and we have to find yeah. out a little bit more, a little bit more each time. Um, mm. I remember the point I was, not the point, but the um, thing that I was going to touch on mm. Um regarding when you said about negativity and people allowing like those thought processes to creep in i was listening to a marketeer the other day and he calls that the lizard brain like basically us living in our our lizard brain so before we're about to do anything almost like out of fear we tap Mm -hmm. into the lizard brain and the lizard brain is the brain that starts to tell us don't do that they'll laugh at you if you do that don't do you know don't go outside of the box stay within that space you know Mm -hmm. if you go out there it's the unknown who knows what might happen to you and how often does that actually happen to us you know for me anyway sometimes very frequently it's just because 
my mind's going so fast usually that I don't take the time to really stop and allow it to enter me fully. But mm-hmm, how frequently mm-hmm. does that happen? And I, I, I just wanted to let you know that it, that kind of was called a thing, lizard brain. Right. Yeah, I've never, I haven't heard of that term, but yeah. it, it makes sense. Um, you know, I follow a like my spiritual teacher, if you like, yeah. um, and he uses he describes um, like the lizard brain as the psychological mind. It's like the psychological mind, the ego mind. Yeah. And um, you know, it's it's basically like ourself like well he calls it personhood actually so so when we're in that kind of negative thought sort of process and we're allowing the mind to kind of overtake us we're personhood yeah right and then um the personhood and the psychological mind are kind of like one so you've got the practical mind which we use for like you know just to send emails take a call we get up in the morning we don't need to remember i don't remember that my name is paula do you know what i mean it's that practical mind but the psychological mind has a lot of delusion attached to it it has a lot of mental noise a lot of things that don't serve us yeah i love that um i love the fact that it even has a form of a name or something because now when it happens, you're like, yeah, that's just whatever, you know what I mean? Listen, yeah, when I first learned about this psychological mind, you know, um, my spiritual teacher would say, you know, um, it's the same guy, it's the same guy that shows up in everybody all around the world because we all have these thoughts, you know, we all all have them. And once I was able to recognise that, you know what, I, myself, my higher self is separate to the mind yeah then it was like okay i know you're here again you're showing up yes bye-bye you know like i could i was actually talking to the mind at one point like yeah i know you're back now but i'm just gonna you're there i'm here i know that you're there but i don't need to attach myself to you i don't need to give you that attention yeah because the mind it will come these thoughts will come we can't completely stop them so you you see them as separate entities to your actual self you, so you see the mind as something separate to um yes. self. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's a saying that the mind what is it I want to get it right now. So the mind can't exist without you, yeah. but you can exist without, without mind. mind. Wow. Yeah. That's that's so, deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might take a second. <laughs> no, I, love I don't that. want to say it again before I get it wrong. I I, I love it. I love the fact that. Because, you know, so often you're taught to listen to your mind and follow your... You know what I mean? Like, it's always yeah. in sequence. It's never as um, separate entities. It's always in similarities. It's never really described as X, Y, and Z. So then when you have these thoughts, i.e., mm. you know, you feel depressed or you feel X, Y, and Z, you can... It takes a little while to separate them because you're like, ah. Oh, yeah, because you believe it. You believe yeah. that this is you. You believe these emotions and feelings. They're so real to the point that they can create suicidal attempts. Yeah. You know, it, that's how strong the mind can be yeah. if we allow it to. Um, yeah. Suicide and things like that really um, like touch my heart because I, I've not essentially been affected by it, but I just, being a very sensitive person, I just can only imagine... Mm-hmm. The, the the mind's state i should say for yeah. somebody to want to take their own life and um it just just makes me feel very like you know you mm-hmm. get goosebumps kind of thing even just the thought of it yeah um i actually wanted to touch on um the fact that i also didn't grow up with my father either right and and um, we've spoken about this before but mm-hmm. i've always had that longing for like alpha role model or something like that in my life just to kind of show me the ropes or that's what I've always thought that I needed right I I don't know essentially if it is because I've never had it but when I would see my friends and stuff with you know their interactions with their dad or the fact that they could just call their dad and say dad I've broken down or can you come and fix my car or you know Mm -hmm. like these very masculine kind of things and it's I felt like it's always been a part of my life um, I don't know if the feeling is as strong as it was when I was growing up, but mm-hmm. that's why um, what you said about your dad and not knowing your dad kind of just touched me in a whole different way. And I, I'm sure many people that listen to this could probably relate. A lot of mm-hmm. us women yeah. have grown up without our dads in our spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you feel like it affected you? Like how it affected me is that I would always look for like very strong men and 
in turn would allow things that I probably wouldn't or should have never allowed to continue or you know like my mum turn a blind eye to certain things or just been a bit more willing to go the extra mile even when I knew that the shoe didn't fit sure yeah 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 I think yeah definitely I've had experiences you know like that I think um what I found is I definitely look for um that sort of father figure in a partner or there's times when I've become a little bit needy you know I've got that little bit extra attention or extra affection and my thing was really around rejection um if I felt rejected I really took that really badly it really just really hurt my heart I really felt extra sensitive around any form of rejection and it took a while to kind of recognize that this pattern that was you know kept occurring Mm. and even if like my partner you know sort of years ago if like they didn't answer the phone or something like that I feel like you know like what you you know just just any form of rejection I really felt it yeah and you know and I, I realized it was because I didn't, I didn't know it at first, and probably didn't want to admit it, but I felt rejected by my dad. Yeah. It was almost like, well, did you, I don't know, I don't know the situation, I don't know if my mum stopped my dad from seeing me, or if he just decided he, you know, would take it back to you. I don't know what happened, but for me it just felt like I was here, I existed, did you not want to know me? Did you yeah. not, did you, how could you never reach out? Not once, I don't remember you know, you reaching out, and I felt rejected for a long time. So a lot of my issues in my relationships Mm. stemmed around rejection. Um, But, yeah, but, you know, kind of back to what you were saying, is I definitely looked for that kind of father figure, and and I I, I overcompromised myself a lot um, in relationships because of that rejection and because I I didn't have that kind of love from my dad, and I was looking for it, um, you know, from in, in my relationships. Yeah, uh, I can yeah, 100 million percent relate. Yeah, and you know, to a point that when I really got that love, I didn't even know what to do with yeah. it. I never really had <laughs> You didn't recognise it. You're like, what's this? Feels all yeah. wrong crazy. What's this? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would self-sabotage. I would sabotage the relationships yeah. before they went wrong. I feel, feel like, no, this is too good to be true. Yeah. Because I watched my mum be a single mum. Yeah. So, I you know, I was going to be a single like, mum for... I thought I would always be a single mum, you know. <laughs> Growing up, I always yes. thought I would be a single mum. Yeah. Right. Because it's what we see. It's what yeah. we learn. It's yeah. what we know sometimes. So, yeah, I, that was one of my fears. I didn't want to be a single mum. You know, that created a lot of problems when I had my daughter um, many years ago. Um, I fixated on that whole, you know, family. unity, that whole yeah. um, family bond and stuff like that. And essentially, I was never really in love with her. Dad, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but, but it's nothing that I'm not told him. But, you know, we're cool now anyway. But, yeah, it, you know, I, I wasn't really in love with him. I was in love with the family unit that I wanted because I didn't have that growing up and I really wanted that for my daughter. Um, and that created a lot of trouble for me um, in that time in a sense that I was, I was in conflict because I knew that I didn't love my daughter's dad in that way. Um, but at the same time, I wanted him around so much because I was trying to not be like my mum. I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to repeat that. Yeah, it's funny as well because um, even with the absentness of not having a father, it's almost like when you have a very stern mum, that Mm -hmm. then in turn you kind of feel alone because you haven't essentially got any place to turn to and then, you know, all the thoughts become internal they become uh, like into a feeling well for me they did they became like oh yeah Yeah. I felt like oh god you know what I mean like constantly and um in turn actually I became a heavy warrior even Mm -hmm. till now it drives my partner nuts because I worry about everything and and I don't know how to stop worrying which is even more annoying because some things you just want to let go like people say just let it go just mm, let it how how when you've been almost like programmed to worry because you just didn't really know um what to where, where to channel that energy when you're young you don't you know exactly. um, yeah and it's yeah. funny because i i don't essentially blame my mom i <laughs> blame her for some of the elements that I feel like she could have changed, but I realised also that she had us quite young, you know. She she probably just didn't... My mum had all of her children by now at 30, and I'm... So by 28, I think she had had all her children, all four of us. Yeah. 
Right. And I'm mm. 30 now and I'm still learning and I have no kids. So mm-hmm. I can't essentially blame her for maybe things she didn't know or learned behaviour that she learned from my grandmother or, you know, things of that nature. I just yeah. always hope for difference or change but how do you ask for difference from somebody who may not even know that they're doing wrong exactly absolutely and you know that that was yeah my experience as well I didn't know I was feeling all these things I was there was loads going on in my mind and I didn't have a space to channel that energy and and I think um you know, very early on, I think that's when I realised, when I learned about counselling, and I thought, yeah, you know, I could, I could do with going into counselling, but also, equally, something gravitated to me where I felt, I could do this, I could do this job, because I was so sensitive to what other people yeah. feel, and, you know, based on my own experiences yeah. as well, um, and yeah, I was very sensitive, even in the very early stages of, of, of my business, you know, I have my first clients and I'd come home and I'd be in tears and people would say to me, Mummy, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do? You can't come home and be crying, Mum. <laughs> and it's like, it's true, but I learned to kind of meditate and stuff after and just yeah. kind of shake some of the energy off because it can be, yeah, just really, no, really it's heavy. Really important. It's funny because um, I used to have a friend who was a misuse and she mm-hmm. always used to, like, we were like maybe early 20s like between 20 and let's say 22 and this girl would always talk about these energies and these forces and this is like nearly 10 years ago like nobody wasn't really talking about (laughs) energy and forces and stuff but now like I understand like the the energy that that's running Mm -hmm. through her hands that she's removing from somebody because she's removing attention is similar to like what you guys do you help us release that tension you know that's in our in our systems and then in turn it it kind of you know leaves the residue on you so you have to find somewhere where to release it absolutely absolutely yeah, it's and that's, that's where meditation can come in really useful as well yeah know? i was gonna ask you just a small segue into um how does one find a spiritual teacher <laughs> ah good question well for me um gosh it was really at such a trying time in my life yeah. um and I was in this relationship, um, and you know, there was a real spiritual connection, so much depth. It was just like, wow, I was able to, you know, because I didn't really have that kind of, again, space to kind of yeah. offload at home. And when I met this guy, I was able to just really just express from my soul, the deepest yeah. of my soul. There was no filter there. Yeah. And um, it's through the, the exchange, he was also on his own kind of spiritual path as well and um it's almost like we were just searching for something but we we kind of like used each other to help us to get to where we you know where we needed to to be yeah Yeah, absolutely and and he one day kind of um was like you know yo p i found this you know this clip but i'm gonna send it to this person this person and i know you're gonna be down you know i know you're gonna like be feeling it and when i heard it I was like, wow. And since that day watching, that was Muji, and yeah. his name's Muji, um, spiritual teacher from uh, Jamaica. Um, he lived over here, lived in Brixton. He now um, does Saxon and stuff in Portugal. Nice. But um, yeah, it was basically, I was just introduced to Muji through that spiritual connection with it, within that relationship. And that's that's how I, I found my spiritual teacher. Wow. So, I mean, sometimes when you're searching for something, you don't even know actually that you're searching for that. You don't even know that that's what you've been kind of looking for yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. But when you're open, I, I really believe that the universe will respond to you, you know, and um, that and that's been my kind of spiritual guy and my go-to since then. And this was probably I don't know how long ago, maybe five years ago, or something wow. like that. That really is amazing. I was because there's a whole fascination around spirituality you know people are putting up their crystals like it's yeah (laughs) I don't even know where to begin like everybody's walking around with these stones and crystals and stuff in their pockets saying oh I need to recharge it and whatnot and like it's not it's not my world so I don't really know much about it and I don't want to be disrespectful but so a spiritual teacher does what so my spiritual teacher, basically, um, how I would describe it is that he um, points you to the self, our true self, who we are at our very core, who we are at our most truest and purest nature, yeah. um, and that is beyond our physical form. 
So we've got this physical body, you know, I know you as Remy, you know me as Paula, this is who we are, this, this is what you do for a living, this is what I do, yeah. but we're so much more than this, yeah. our physical aspect. Yeah. And um, it's really disappointing to realise, to come into the, not the realisation, I don't want to use that word, the discovery, because who we are is always there, it's not separate from us, yeah. it is us. So it's just discovering our true selves and our true selves again it's beyond the body and it's beyond the the psychological mind yeah so it's it's who we are beyond all suffering beyond all you know jealousy all the egotistical stuff it's all of that and who we are is really just pure joy love peace all that good stuff is what what and who we really are but um through conditioning um you know the way we're raised society we kind of, we, we don't, we're not connected yeah, to yeah. our true selves. We're not connected to that side of us. Um, so I've actually forgot your question, so what was it? I don't want to go What, off what does a um, spiritual teacher do, basically? Which, yeah, I so... I kind of answered it a little bit. Yeah, so it's just basically it's pointing, to, pointing to your true self, nice. basically. Yeah. I love that's... that. Um, how does somebody like a therapist, like yourself recharge is it is it just through those roots like having a spiritual teacher or are there other components par meditation that you would need or are those forms enough um those forms essentially in my early stages of this journey was was enough yeah but as time goes on things change you know we're in different transitions in life yes for me what i really need to recharge is and really just to function at my best, it, it might sound silly, but sleep. <laughs> I know it might be going off the spiritual path or such, no, but, not at all. but for me to have sleep, it means that I'm, I am recharged, I'm reconnected, and I'm not, because if I'm groggy, yeah. then I'm more likely to operate from that psychological mind, i.e. the lizard mind. Yeah. But if, I'm, if I've had sleep and I feel refreshed, I'm able to operate from a, from a place of calm, yeah. And yeah, just kind of like my, my true true being. You know, I need a lot of calmness. Um, I need to be present. Being present is is something that was very hard to learn, which I'm sure most can kind of relate to. Because again, the mind tends to take over, and we tend to go on that journey with the mind yeah. rather than kind of staying present in the now, in what's actually happening now. Where am I now? What's the next indicated thing that I need to be doing in my day now? Yeah. You know, so really staying present is is really um, key for me. Um, and just having a functional environment. My home is my safe haven and having a comfortable, peaceful home with you know healthy dynamics and love in the home is really, really important to me. Yeah. Uh, because it is when I'm not in the therapy room that's I do take a lot of clients via telephone as well. Yeah. So I'm at my desk and that's at home. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just having that quiet time is really important and that helps me to recharge to just basically tap in. Yeah. to me so what's going on with me i need time to to just switch off from the outside world and external that. things and yeah. just connect with what's going on with paula what am i feeling you know at that moment or just to reflect on the day or you know the week or a conversation that i had and just to kind of yeah just to allow, allow that to digest within me just to get really quiet and still and from that still place i find i'm i'm just most effective I like the fact that um, all of those things you name, they're free. <laughs> I, always, um, I always post on yeah. my Instagram that the best things in life are free. And yeah. it is something that we say so often, but I feel like people don't really take it in. And because of that, I feel like you're, you're missing the, the, the essence again. Like the best thing in the best things in life are truly and honestly free sleep, yeah. you know, yeah. being able to tap into who you are um Mm -hmm. pen and paper i mean you know what i mean like these things don't essentially okay pen and paper does but not really you probably have pen and paper lying around the house now you know what i mean it's like you don't have to spend in order to recharge and tap into who you are and i love that i really love that because some people might say i'll go on holiday take a trip alone and these things are amazing but not everybody's in a position to be able to do those things all the time yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i was going to ask um what does it mean to be a woman in 2018 what does it mean to be a woman in 2018 wow <laughs> wow that's a loaded question um and i want to try and answer it in my own way obviously uh what does it mean do you know what it means 
it means so much. It means so much that my mind is now going in overdrive. And I'm like, gosh, how can I best answer this question? I think what's coming to mind, it might not directly answer the question per se, but what comes to mind is my daughter. Yeah. Um, my daughter's about to be 15 in September. Mm-hmm. And um, what it means for me to be a woman in 2018 in the sense of being a woman and being a mother yeah. and teaching and raising her to be a woman and to grow into, you know, a, a, a beautiful young lady yeah. it's about um it's about being and I think it's what's coming to mind is being authentic yeah. being me mm-hmm. that's what it means to me actually to be a woman in 2018 is to just be because over the years I have really I didn't know who I was you know we had many women say that but for real this has been my journey I really had a period where I really lost myself and um was just really just figuring things out and really just repeating a lot of a lot of um, patterns and behaviours that yeah. just weren't serving me. And I was trying to kind of maybe, I wouldn't say I was always trying to be like anybody, but I was just trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. And within my spiritual journey, what I found is that actually me ultimately, again, at my mo- most truest um, place yeah. is... I'm already there, like it's me, it's, it's yeah, innate, it's, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's just to be, and so that's really the best example that I can I can be to my daughter, and a woman in 2018, is just to be me, and being me will look different on different days, yeah. depending on, you know, my mood, where I'm at, who yeah, I'm talking with, my surroundings, but wherever I am, whatever conversation I'm in, whatever I'm doing, it's still all diff- the different layers to me, yeah. and I bring all of that, and so... It's just about travelling light. Yeah. That's what being a woman means to me. It means travelling light. Like, not with all the heaviness, not with all, again, that psychological noise and that comparison and competitiveness and worrying about, you know, what other people are doing, but really just trying to stay present, again, that word, and just trying to stay in my own lane. Um, and, again, just, just being who I really am because who I am is is so imperfect, but it's, it's also perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's right so it's just really being and I think that's enough um to kind of show my daughter because I'm real you know I'm not afraid to have real conversations with my daughter you know um to cry in front of her to show her that these these are all my layers I'm I'm human it's okay to not be okay sometimes it's okay to cry it's okay to feel like right today I'm going to execute this I'm on top of my game and then on another day I may feel a little bit shaky but that's just the play of human nature you know so being on the 2018 is, is about just being being that word being it is yeah. just it just brings a lot of peace nice. to me because I don't need to try to necessarily get anywhere or reach anywhere yeah. you know I mean I do obviously because I've got goals and I've got a vision yeah but I think I'm talking about from a place of more um that inner connection that inner space Absolutely. I just need to be and accept myself for where I am right now I love that um I was gonna just touch on something with you before we go into the flash round of name that thing um i was gonna ask you this superwoman um description of black women how did we how how did that become who we were i guess from watching our our mothers um watching our mothers again like i said my mom she raised four of us on her own you know i came in uh, when i was born there was my, my sister and my two brothers were already there and she was juggling everything. And yeah. um, I never saw, I've, I've seen my mum cry once. Yeah. Uh, I'm 36 now, I've seen her cry once in my whole life. Um, so I think that we, yeah, we just kind of pick up that, we pick that up, sorry, from our, our parents. Yeah. Um, yeah, and again, that sort of, that, that strong exterior that yeah. we have to hold everything together because that's what, essentially, that's what we saw yeah. a lot of the time in the home. So I think we just kind of grow feeling that we have to have that same type of strength because that's the definition of a woman. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what how we, we need to be. But we don't. We don't. Yeah. We just need to be us. Yeah. You know, we really just need to be us. My mum is totally different to me. I'm so sensitive. Yeah. You know, and I can be emotional. I love a good cry. A good yeah. cry is like, it's healing to me. Do you know what I mean? It kind of, it gets everything out. Sometimes I'm crying and I'm laughing at the same time. I don't take my tears seriously. I don't take my problems that seriously. Yeah. Because I've got a higher understanding of that. This is just, it's life, you know. But, um, but yeah, I think that we, we just kind of have that strong exterior to, 
like women definitely that way. I think we just get it from from our moms, especially. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, um, for me, it is quite detri- um, detrimental because because of that. Even when I moved into my place with my partner, mm-hmm. um, I felt myself ha- doing above and beyond mentally yeah. and physically I could handle I would do the shopping I would then come home that same time and cook I would then t- turn around and clean everything and then I would then turn around and wash everything and I would just try to be all elements of house if that makes sense then yeah. be all elements to me as business then be yeah. all the the elements and components to my family and it was draining the hell right. out of me and right. And multiple times I just had breakdowns, continuous breakdowns, specifically directed at him because he was the closest thing to me, mm-hmm. of something that I put on myself. Like, fair enough, it's learned behaviour in some capacity because my mum is very much like that. My mum can nearly do everything. Then, mm-hmm. in turn, everybody comes to my mum to do everything and she never says no. Right. Mm-hmm. It's detrimental, you know, because then you don't have the time to recharge. You don't have the time mm-hmm. to sit down and figure out your own stuff. And yes. many people may disagree with us, I mean, and say, well, a woman's supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Right. But not and I don't feel like it's what a woman's supposed to yeah. do. It's down to the individual. You know what I mean? You've got and a choice. It should like, be. Maybe it was not behavior, but that was... That was then. Yeah. That was when you were growing up. You're not you're not a child anymore, you're an adult. So you've got the power to choose, yeah. you know, how you want to be yeah. and live and what you want to manage and what you don't. Yeah. Oh, I love talking yeah. to you. You just have the um best aura, the best <laughs> you're just such, you. such an easy person to talk to and anybody who's looking for, you know, a therapist, um, phone call, telephone consultations or even just sessions, please reach out to introspective therapy. Um even for me, just speaking to you always just feels like a, a weight's been removed from me every single time, no matter what we speak about and I think that's really beautiful. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> I wanna get into um our round of name that thing. So mm-hmm. this is where I ask you about your best book, best podcast, most influential person for you, mm-hmm. and the advice you wish you took. Okay, <laughs> so, so what's your best book? Your best book, yeah. your best book. Best book is hard um, because there's so many, and I'm not as disciplined with my reading as I would like to be, especially uh, okay. recently. All right, give, but, us, um, give us two. Give us two. One, one that comes to mind, I think, because it's quite relevant for where I am right now, um, it's a book by Osho, his name is. He's also like a kind of spiritual teacher. Um, mm-hmm. And it's called Body Mind Balancing. Body. And it's about using your mind to heal your body. Okay. Um, I read it a long time ago, kind of briefly, but I've picked it up recently and it's sitting on my desk and I need to go back into it because... What I've found is um, I'm really connecting to what's happening in my body, yeah. whether it be that I'm nervous or I'm worried about something, but at that point I'm, I don't even know what I'm worried about yet. I don't know what's <laughs> niggling at me, but it, it starts to show up in my body. Yeah. So I get really kind of like a lot of tension around, um, uh, what's that part of your head? I get like a lot of tension. Not the crown, but like oh. the temples oh, okay. of my head. And um, a lot of the time I feel quite overwhelmed recently. I'm in quite a big transition at the moment. Um, so with, due to that transition, I'm really paying attention to what, what my body is saying. Nice. And sometimes I can feel really overwhelmed. Um, and I can feel like as if my breath is kind of like beneath me. It's in the surface of me. Yeah. So I need to stop and I need to breathe. And um, this book, Body Mind Balancing, it's really like where it says like using the mind to kind of heal your body. Yeah. Um, and just a quick example of that to give you is how I know this to be true for myself is yeah. because I have a skin condition. It's called atopic eczema. So it's not your usual eczema where you might see like a rash on top of the, the yeah. skin. It's more like in the, within the skin. Wow. So you, might, you won't necessarily see it on my body mm-hmm. as such. But um, it, it can be triggered by, like, environment. You know, my clothes, the majority of my clothes need to be cotton. Yep. You know, if I'm sort of stressed or worried, you know, that type of thing it can show in my body. Yep. So because I'm in a transition at the moment, as I just mentioned, um, sometimes I can feel quite overwhelmed. And I've been getting these kind of short bursts of, um, like, almost like skin flare-ups. Yeah. So like skin, it's almost like a hot flush. Yeah. So my blood is getting really hot, and it's like the body's working itself up, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not even doing anything. But the body's working itself up. And 
you know, I really, I started noticing this and um, I literally come up on my arm. So my arm would go like quite red. Yeah. I would sit and I would just watch my arm become red and I would make sure that my mind is calm. Yeah. So I would breathe. And again, when I spoke about like the thoughts coming and passing like yeah. clouds, yeah. I would watch the thoughts, but I wouldn't attach myself to them. So I wouldn't allow myself to worry yeah. any further or worry about, oh my gosh, my arm and I'm getting these flare ups and yeah. blah, 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 whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. And actually while I sat and I would watch my arm and I would breathe, the redness would dissipate, the yeah. redness would just really go down. And the more worked up I got, the more red it became. Yeah. And that was, that's an example for me that I can give of how my mind was almost like healing my body. Yeah, love that. I calm, my body became calm. Yeah. My body was settling, but the mm-hmm. condition was settling. Mm-hmm. But if I started to worry yeah. about, oh my God, what is this? And, you know, gosh, this is how it feels, and I'm fixating on the feeling, then the redness stays a lot longer or it increases. Okay. So I'm gonna um, link that in the um, show notes. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What's the other one? So the other one is um, I would like to be from a different author, but what's come to mind? It's the same author. He's named Osho again. It's O S H O. Yeah. And this one is intuition, and um, intuition was something that I I didn't really connect with at first because you know like what you mentioned about. Um, like the mind, yes. it was like the mind and say the heart. Sometimes we were in conflict, yes. uh, and I didn't really know the difference between my heart and my mind. Um, I didn't know whether I was speaking from my heart or speaking from my mind, or should I listen to my mind or should I listen to my heart? Yes. Um, and intuition really broke that down for me um, when I read that book. Um, and what it is is there's, there's three kind of components that that the author focuses on. Um, one is intellect, yeah. the other instinct, yeah. and intuition. Nice. Yes, that's intellect, instinct, and intuition. Okay. So the intellect is mind; it's from the head. Yeah. The the, the instinct is the body. Yeah. And the intuition yeah. is the heart. Yeah, I love that. Right. So the book is intuition, and it's basically called um, knowing beyond logic. Nice. Right. So sometimes the knowing that spiritual sense as well. It doesn't really come from our mind. That's intellectual. Yeah. It comes from the heart space. Mm-hmm. And, and and what I found is that, especially after reading that book and making the distinction, when I follow my heart, Remy, yeah. I'm never wrong. And even if the decision, even if that choice or whatever, doesn't, it's not the way I thought it would work or it's not the way I hoped it would work, yeah. it's still right. It's still on time because I made that choice nice. for my heart space and it was authentic and it was real. Yeah. So we can't turn out to be wrong, yeah. you know? It's like when so, they ask you, do you have regrets? But when you've, when you've made the decision truly from your heart, you have yeah. no regrets. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even before I learned about, you know, the, the intuition, um, anything that the choices that I made prior it still led me to the place where I am now. So yeah. I still don't regret yeah. that because, yeah, it's shaped and molded me to where I am today. Mm. Best podcast episode you've listened to? Um, I am a big fan of the Hey Girl podcast hey Girl. Um, by Alex L. Oh yeah, you told me about her. Yeah, I've mentioned it before. So I really love the Hey Girl podcast. Um, I love it because it, in every episode, she allows her listeners to touch on self-care. Nice. And self-care is such a really big part of um, my life and it's been a big part of my journey, just really learning what it really is and not just what it is, but what it means to me yeah. personally. Um, and I love that... Um, Self-care is kind of described in that podcast in a very relatable way. A lot of the things that, that the um, the guests talk about, it's yeah. real-life stories and it's stories around survival, nice. you know, how to survive and what we do um, to really enhance our, our well-being, just nice. to be well. And so I really gravitated to that. And I love I love to listen to Alex. I find her voice is very soothing. It's very calming to me. So that's my main one. And that's on my to-do list to check out Hey Girl podcast. Yeah, and also um, Oprah, the Super Soul Conversation. Yes, what? Yeah, I love that listen one. to those as well. They yeah, are something else, no? <laughs> Whoa, I've listened. Um, You have to check out the one where she got, well, it's not really part of the Super Soul Sundays, but have you heard of this guy called um John of God? John of God? No, I haven't actually. So he's like supposed to be like a spiritual healer. Okay. In some mm-hmm. rural part of Brazil. Okay. And there was a lot of like um, 
I don't know. Um, there's actually one of the guests that Oprah speaks to who had healing from him. Mm-hmm. And there's also obviously a lot of speculation re- around whether or not what he does is to be true or not. But basically, he said that he knocked his head when he was like 11 or 10. And then mm-hmm. since that day, he's had like clairvoyant kind of powers, if you want. And that's right. what allows him to then in turn help people with like, I mean, like serious illnesses from cancers and, you know, mm-hmm. um, Oh, I don't know, like just a, an array of different illnesses, kind of thing, and, and thousands and of people actually go to this part of Brazil to go and visit him. And he doesn't right. charge; he just charges for the medication that the people would use. And um, mm-hmm. you have to check him out. Oprah interviews him also, and then she's also got a guest on the Super Soul Sundays. I'll see if I can find the link and add it, okay. um, where he yeah. speaks about having healing from this guy. He had um. What, what sickness did he have? I think he had, like, leukaemia or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, basically becomes healed. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, as, um, you, as you said, that, it reminds me of a lady um, that I've watched on YouTube, and I've actually got her book. Her name's Anita Mojani. Okay. And she um, wrote a book called Dying to Be Me, and it's basically about her experience through um, having cancer. Wow. And being in a coma and basically being told that she has X amount of time to live, maybe like even 24 hours, I can't remember the exact time, but have a certain time to live. And her experience in the coma um, allowed her to to go into like the spiritual realm where she was able to kind of almost like become like her higher self, you know, experience that. And she was experiencing like she was able to look from her higher self, look at her body in the coma, yeah. see her husband, yeah. you know, by her bedside, crying his eyes out. She was able to almost like simultaneously be in other places where her brother was coming coming off the, the airplane and um, I think it was Hong Kong wow. or something like that. And she was just you know, and basically she really breaks down um that kind of that, that spiritual realm and almost like what it's like to be on the other side to, to make our transition oh, when we pass. Um, and also how she got the cancer as well. She really gives a really good breakdown about that, how she believes she got it. And one of her main um, reasons and beliefs was was because of fear, the way she lived her life. She said in that spiritual realm when she was in the coma, mm. she was able to see um, the way that she was living her life through fear and how the fear led her to get cancer. Wow. Because, again, the energies that we, uh, you know, we, we kind of, um, these energies mm. cling to us in a sense. And they stay in our bodies, and they, I feel like that the energy of it, the energetic field, kind of grows yeah. in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And I, I do believe that. I do believe that you know the way we live our life and the way our mind is mm. that can really cause us to get sick. Mm. You know, because stress. They say stress is a killer. Yeah. You know, so okay. that's a, that's another go-to. I'm Anita Majani. Anita Majani. Okay. Um, person who has been somebody that super, super, superly influenced you, I should say. Um. I'm just going to say it again, I'm a spiritual teacher, Muji. Um, and I say this because I was at a really, um, well, at that point when I mentioned that I met the person that I met who led me to Muji, yeah. that relationship broke down and I really took that really, oh, really, really badly um, for many reasons, but I think as well mainly to do with the fact that I didn't know my dad, I didn't handle rejection very well, and that was a point in my life where I really needed to, to really just go to the darkest places within myself yeah. but but trust that I can I can come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have to go through the uncomfortable to get to the comfortable. Absolutely. And I really had to to really dig. And um at that point he was I, I, I attended his weekend satsang from Friday to like a Tuesday. Yeah. Um he came up to London and I attended that and that was like the best thing nice. I've ever, ever done for myself and so he is like my main you know okay. influencer um because he really just taught me about being the observer just yeah. observing what's going on don't be attached to it because everything in life is changing yeah. everything exactly. is one thing that certainly has changed yeah. and life is so uncertain yeah uh, the next moment is uncertain yeah. you know can't control everything we can't predict everything um, and just yeah just really being able to move from my higher self and not that personal emotional you know 
person that just didn't know who I was. He really taught me a lot on that on that journey. So he's the main go to to this day. Um, you're gonna have to send me the link for him, and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, something yeah, that dropped sure. like just came on me now. Um, it's funny that life is so flexible, but as humans, we become so interchangeable like we then get a job we don't move we stay within that nine to five remit like it's like everything is controlling us to stay the same but life actually in itself is very flexible and fluid absolutely absolutely that's one thing that i i never want to stop you know and to do is to basically just to grow and to evolve you know to keep evolving to keep learning to keep growing that's where it's at for me that's the juice that that I need in, in my life, personally. I was going to ask you one last question before we wrap up. That is, what is a piece of advice you didn't take that you wish you had? Oh, boy. There's many. <laughs> There's many. Um, what's the advice I didn't take? I think to uh, to love myself. I didn't know I didn't know how to love myself, to be honest. Um, so I might have given that advice to other people. You know, you kind of say, you know, you really got to love yourself. You've got to love yourself before anybody can love you. But I really didn't know what that meant for me. Mm. I really didn't know what that meant. So for me, and, and also it was about not losing myself. This is important for me, actually. Yeah. Not losing myself in the process of loving someone else yes. was my major, you know, hang up. Yes. Because I did not know how to... That happens, right, to women. I shouldn't say just women, but as we are women, I feel like that happens quite frequently. We get lost in the source, and because of that, we're just in motion all the time, and it's all about the relationship and everything in sustaining that person to be with you. It's almost like a baby. Like We want that thing to become so dependent on us that it never leaves us. Yeah, and and, you know, if that situation doesn't... Like, you know, work, you know, if that person leaves, then where are we? Where, it's almost like the, for me, the relationship left and I left with it. Yeah. Where was I? Paula wasn't here. Hello, where's this Paula? So that was a real big thing for me. And it took me a long time to yeah. just to, to, to manage, to have the balance of loving you but loving me too. Yeah. Um, you know, and now um, just knowing that I. I come first. It sounds very selfish, but I really do. I really need to be connected with myself. I need to be in a good place spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And and then I feel it's almost like, I like to describe it as like a tree. Yeah. You know, so with the tree, your roots need to be firm. They need to be solid. They need to be grounded. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, if the wind comes and it shakes my branches, I'm not swayed. I'm not going to fall over. My tree's not going to top, topple over Absolutely. because my roots are strong. Yeah. And that's what, you know, even, you know, in love, in loving relationships, I really need to make sure that I am good and not pouring everything I have into the other person. Yeah. I need to, I needed to really learn to pour some of that love yeah. back into myself. Absolutely. And that was a journey for me, for sure. Girl. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> This is going to be an episode and a half. Um, I just want to say thank you um, for your time. Specifically, we tried to record this 100,000 times to no avail, but this time was the truth. Um, Mm -hmm. How can people get in contact with you? How can they book your services? I know you're going to be with me in October on the 6th at a Mindset Hack also. So if your guest or my guests haven't got their tickets yet, then they absolutely should. This Mm -hmm. is what's more to come. But how can they connect with you if they want to connect with you prior? Okay, so I'm on Instagram. I don't really do Facebook and all the other stuff, but I'm on Instagram at um, introspective underscore therapy. Yeah. Um, that's the Instagram. Um, you can check out more. My links are basically linked to my Instagram. Yeah. So my website, www.introspectivetherapy.net. Yeah. Um, and really the best way to get in contact with, with me is via email. Yeah. Um, you can drop me a DM too, but via email is really the best way. Wicked. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much.